Welcome to the 150th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. In June 2013, a storm swept through the western Minnesota community of Ortonville and destroyed, among other things, the Granary Food Co-op. This catastrophe initially looked like the death knell of the small co-op, which had been in operation in the farm town of 1,900 people since 1979. But the community rallied around the granary. Even before the initial shock wore off, board members and volunteers were making calls, salvaging merchandise, and inventorying available retail space to fit the co-op's needs. Support came from across the state via offers of free or reduced price shelving, bulk bins, and other fixtures. Palm de Terre Co-op in Morris, Minnesota, extended their own member discounts to granary co-op members for the interim. In September 2013, a more spacious and well-stocked co-op store was opened ahead of the busy holiday baking season. The granary's new location is a storefront owned by a local appliance business, Larry's Refrigeration and Heating, which remodeled the space so it could meet government regulations for housing a food co-op. By midwinter, the co-op had doubled its membership to 250 people, and for the first time in its history, it had a paid employee in the form of a general manager, Ann Tower. It does nowhere the business of a food co-op located in an urban area or college town, which is where most have traditionally been located. But the granary's emergence from the rubble shows that co-ops can play a critical role in small rural communities. The Land Stewardship Project's Community-Based Food Systems Program has been working closely with the granary to help it become a key part of the region's local food economy. LSP sees it as a potential model for how small-town co-ops can be places where local farmers and local eaters come together, revitalizing farming economies while eliminating the food deserts that ironically characterize many agricultural regions. Tower, a native Minnesotan who just moved back from Austin, Texas, recently talked to me about the challenges of running a food co-op in a small town and the importance of reaching out to new potential members in an attempt to make an entity like the Granary a community mainstay. I have been at the Granary Food Co-op for about nine weeks now, so it's very new, and I am their first ever paid employee. Um, The Granary has been around since, I think, 1979, um, and it has been run by volunteers every every step of the way, and still is, um, with the exception of now myself being hired as their general manager. And my background is in holistic health coaching. I own my own health coaching practice. I've worked in the nonprofit world. I owned my own granola baking company and definitely always had interest in the food movement and local food movement and how we can connect healthy food to community. So when this position came up, um, I was living in Austin, Texas, and it just really intrigued me. I wasn't ready to move anywhere, but I couldn't stop thinking that I could really make an impact in a small community. And the granary had had this sudden boom of movement because our old building got uh, winded down in a windstorm. And so when that building was kind of crushed, um, we were able to move into a larger location and it's really, it's made the biggest impact on, on this store, its volunteers, the whole community. We have larger exposure. People are just coming in because they hadn't noticed us before in our smaller location. So it's just made a world of difference. It's, it sounds like you have quite a bit of experience in kind of the natural foods world a little bit. Did you, I was wondering if you had before shopped at, were a member of co-ops before or had experience in that area and 
if it was more of an urban type co-op and how you would compare something like this to to, to that more, which is what people associate food co-ops with is the more urban uh, area. Yeah, I'm still a member of the Duluth Whole Foods Co-op in Duluth, Minnesota, where I went to school and lived for many years. And I'm a member of the St. Peter Co-op near Mankato, as well as the Wheatsville Co-op in Austin, Texas. So that's been probably since college is when I had my first co-op experience in Duluth. And I really saw the value of buying into the cooperative system and becoming a member. Um, not only the monetary value that I could save on, on my groceries, but just the, the community value is really huge for me. So I have um, enjoyed the cooperative culture myself personally for about 10 years. And it is true that it's kind of an anomaly that there's a co-op in the small town of Ordenville, but I think that, I don't know, we're just getting a different kind of exposure now that's really exciting, um, that we can put health food on the map in this tiny town, and, and people are really starting to talk about it. So having kind of that, it is definitely more of an urban scene to have the, the co-op culture, but I think it's also can be and is growing to be a small town scene as well. It's kind of the heart of the community. Working with local food producers is really important to us. Um, Working with our volunteers, they are the heart of this organization. So as our co-op grows, um, I think we can show that it doesn't only have to be the urban culture. It's interesting you mentioned working with local producers. Is that a challenge? Um, I mean, it's kind of a chicken and egg situation. you know, whether you have the local production first or you have a outlet like this that shows farmers that, oh, there, there could be an outlet for, for you if you produce locally. Is that, have you had much luck sourcing local and, and, or where is that out? Or is, is majority of the food stuff that you're selling here still from outside the community? Definitely the majority is from outside distributors, but Rebecca Turk, who you know, um, and she works on the Land Stewardship Project. She is very passionate about bringing in as much local product as we can source, which is so important. Um, and our community really cares about that. So we're trying as hard as we can. And in the, the summer and fall months, it's a lot easier to get that produce. But we're trying to reach out definitely as much as we can. And even considering local just being Minnesota in general, you know, trying to reach out to places outside of just our community is important too. Currently, we have around 250 members, active members, um, and that number is quickly growing, which is really exciting. And our projected sales for the year are around 150,000, which in the co-op world is, is very small, but for the granary is hugely moving. So we're really excited that our sales have really doubled, if not more, very quickly. So it's been really good. Granaries open Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 and Saturdays from 9 to 3. Um, and those are actually longer hours than we had in our old locations. So we're excited about being open every day for the public. And as our members increase and our sales increase, we're hoping to extend those hours even more. You obviously have a very committed group of members, and that was proven when the old one got hit by a windstorm and then you were able to, to uh, you know, you th- people thought that's it and people came together. So you obviously have a very committed core membership. Has part of this in this new space and as you've come on board, 
are you looking at, well, how can we reach out to the wider community and get the word out on this isn't just about getting organic food or even local food, but it's about supporting the local community? Definitely. That's one thing that I personally am excited about. The reason, one of the many reasons that I was interested in the position of general manager is that I could have those one-on-one conversations with our customers and our volunteers that this is a community culture and we really want to create that in our community. And I think that Ortonville um, really needs that sense of community. Um, So the outreach portion is something that I'm excited about. And I think that one part of the cooperative spirit is education. A lot of people in our community still don't know we're here at all. So for me to be able to provide education through going to trade shows, newspaper advertisement, one-on-one conversation on the street, you know, we share our space with a fridge and heating company. So the people that pass through get to talk with them. I'm really interested in bringing classes to the co-op. So I think just that communication piece needs to happen and it's something that's been missing from the granary that people are excited about now and I'm pleased because you know I get to be here every day and they've found a person that can devote the time and energy to it and that's one piece that I think was really crucial in them needing to find a full-time staff person when you have a group of volunteers that's something amazing but not everyone has the time to really devote to those projects so the community outreach aspect is definitely something that's growing and moving and it needs to happen. Are there some typical, I guess, myths out there that you kind of have to debunk that people come in, you know, and say, well, I can't shop there because A, B, and C, or that you have to, is there some, a bit of myth busting that you have to do? There are myths that go around that to be a co-op member or to go into a co-op, you kind of have to be a hippie. Um, and in a small agricultural town like Ortonville, I think that that is definitely there and true. Um, And like we were just talking about, that community education and communication aspect is something that really helps deflate those myths. And there's nothing wrong with a good hippie shop too, um, because to me, I think of organic, local, sustainable food, which we do have. But I think that it's just changing the word structure to tell people about what our our store really is. You know, what do you see? You've been here just a couple months, but what are some of the biggest challenges that you kind of already are seeing that maybe need to overcome for this to be sustainable in the long term in a community like this? Have you thought about that? I feel like a broken record, but I do think it comes back to that communication piece, which that can be a challenge in of itself, one that it just takes a lot of time. You have to continue to be passionate about that but you know not everyone is going to like our story and not everyone will want to become a member and that is completely fine but I think having us just persevere with staying true to why we're a really thriving part of this community I think that's the challenge of every cooperative is is letting people know why it's important to become a member but in this community Things will definitely arise in the future that will be challenging, but we're moving so quickly that it's hard to think of challenging in a negative way because it's just a lot of exciting things happening. Do you have people coming here looking for a a new washer dryer and they end up becoming a member of the co-op? Yes. (laughs) 
Definitely. And if not a member, they always grab snacks, which is perfect. It's actually been really fun to kind of co-own a store with, you know, you would never think of a food co-op being with a fridge and heating company. So we're having a blast with it. It's great. And their clientele, you know, a lot of them probably don't step into the co-op environment. So that part's been really fun. For more information on the Land Stewardship Project's community-based food systems work, see www.landstewardshipproject.org and follow the links under the Stewardship and Food section. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members, you make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.